everybody, Jonathan Dorr with you once again for the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast, which is pretty daily most of the time, depending on what is happening. Karen and I still have a tribe of young children. You know, the parents listening, you know that season when you realize that your job in life, your vocation wasn't really being a teacher or some other important task. Your job was being a chauffeur, a professional driver. We're right in that season at the moment where uh, we're just driving kids everywhere. And uh, I'm in the studio now. I'm going to get out of here in a few minutes and go and do the next round of pickups. Interesting times. People are going to be like, what did you do with your 40s? I just drove a lot around the place. Well, welcome aboard. Good to be with you. I want to share with you a little opening reflection here from the inimitable, regular listeners know I love that word, the inimitable Romano Guardini, an incredible Catholic priest who's uh, who died a while ago, but uh, a brilliant, brilliant Catholic theologian and academic, and uh, one of his biggest fans was actually... Joseph Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. And if uh, if Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, is a fan of your theology and academic work, given uh, the scope and scale of Pope Benedict XVI's work, then you know you're onto something. So I have this beautiful little book that a friend suggested to me. It's called Meditations Before Mass. So I hope you can find this book. It's really worth getting yourself a copy uh, by Romano Guardini. That's G-U-A-R-D-I-N-I, Meditations Before Mass. So I just uh, have this book and I I dip into it like a fine bottle of wine once in a while. Uh, It's the sort of book that you need to be sitting quietly in in a beautiful place to really access and get the depth of this. But listen to this quote here from chapter 2 from the chapter called Silence and the Word. He says, The Word is a thing of mystery, so volatile that it vanishes almost on the lip, yet so powerful that it decides fates and determines the meaning of existence. One more time. The Word is a thing of mystery, so volatile that it vanishes almost on the lip, yet so powerful that it decides fates and determines the meaning of existence. I really like that, uh, primarily because when you reflect on what he's saying, that the spoken word is a very fragile thing. You know, it, it's not a, it disappears the second that it's been enunciated or aspirated, it, uh, it's gone. But that same capacity has the power to shape the destinies of empires and nations and human history. Think of how many times that uh, leaders in human history have, have made a decision and spoken it out loud and those words set in motion a train of events for better or worse in human history. Now, why this matters is, do you think it's a coincidence that Jesus is the word of God? He is the Logos that spoke the cosmos into existence. Do you think that is a coincidence? Uh, Whether you're a fan or not, I don't know, but I've been listening to the 13-part series by Jordan Peterson on the Old Testament. Now, if you haven't uh, heard it, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube. It's quite extraordinary. It's a series of lectures. Some of them go for three hours each. Uh, But it's this huge series where he sort of unpacks the psychological and theological impact of the Old Testament. He makes an amazing point. He said, whether you're an an atheist or 
whatever, he says, you can't dismiss the power of this text. And he, the reason I'm mentioning that is because he devotes a lot of time to describing how the concept of Jesus as the Logos, speaking order into chaos, is one of the most defining concepts in human history. We would say the most defining. So let's never forget that uh, the Word of God, both in Scripture, but the Word of God is also a person, is the central force, the, the pivot of all the universe. Wow. Especially in times like these, when there's so much happening in the world, right? There's so much upheaval and uncertainty, and people are looking for a fixed point. And uh, we have the Logos. We have the Word. We have the the King of the Universe. Just last week, it was the, uh, the feast, the Sunday of uh, Christ, the King of the Universe. We had a great homily from our, from the priest at the cathedral here, and he just made the point, you know, the battle's won. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, and we're all a bit uncertain, but uh, let's not forget the power of the Word. And also in our own lives, the spoken Word ourselves. We participate in the speaking of words. And think about that from the perspective of being a Catholic teacher. The words that you speak over the lives of your student. I mean, how many times have you witnessed as a teacher that a single word of encouragement, a single word that's spoken at the right time can just move a student forward, bless them. It can change destinies and futures. I remember being a teacher many years ago and I heard this really unfortunate uh, interaction between another teacher who, uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm no one's judge, but they... They really spoke in a way to a particular student that was quite devastating. And I just happened to overhear it as I was doing some work outside the classroom. And this student came out, he's a very gentle young man, and he was in tears. And I remember that day speaking to him and just saying to him, listen, this is not the truth about you. And talking to him for a few minutes and speaking the truth over his life. So my friends, never forget for a second the power and the impact and the influence that you have with the spoken word and the deeper we go into our relationship with christ the more that we participate in christ the more that we allow ourselves to be transformed into christ then we will begin to speak as he would have us speak powerful stuff huh transformative think of how many words we speak in a day or in a classroom my gosh all right and this isn't even what i wanted to talk about what i want to talk to you about quickly i'll do this quickly uh i'm reading another great book at the moment it's called The Decadent Society. It's by Ross Douthat, who some of you will be familiar with. Ross is a Catholic guy, a Catholic public intellectual. Um, you know, probably up there these days, maybe with a George Weigel kind of reputation. He uh, writes for the New York Times, and uh, he writes quite brilliantly. But uh, his book, The Decadent Society, is had some huge reviews and it's uh i just want to share with you something about it very quickly when you hear the word decadent and he makes the point in the introduction that most of us think of the word decadent as hedonistic uh you know drunkenness or wild parties or extravagance or flagrant displays of wealth and he said look it can include those things but he said that uh there's a much more important definition and his definition is this, and he says decadence. This is on page eight of the Decadence Society. He says decadence, deployed usefully, refers to, now have a listen to this. He says economic stagnation, institutional decay, and cultural and intellectual exhaustion at a high level of material prosperity and technological development. 
So economic stagnation, institutional decay, and cultural and intellectual exhaustion at a high level of material prosperity and technological development. Now, it's a very deep book, and I really do encourage you to grab a copy and work through it. But uh, his point is really important for us. He's basically saying that as advanced cultures have become wealthy and they've reached a high level of financial, economic, and technological advancement, but it's led to a kind of exhaustion, a cultural, artistic, faith exhaustion. And I think that's pretty much spot on. I think if if you look at a lot of our faith in institutions and politics, and uh, you know we've had some shocking things happen. Like in one of our states here, some of you be familiar that uh, one of our cardinals, Cardinal George Pell, was imprisoned. And, uh, you know, there was a huge amount of evidence that the police force in the state of Victoria had acted in some extremely curious ways. For example, they'd, uh, they'd organized a, a task force to get information about the Cardinal before they had had a single accusation or complaint. Are you with me on that? So they actually, the police went looking for witnesses before anybody had ever made a claim about anything. So my point is that what this led to was a kind of uh, an exhaustion and fatigue over institutions that we once would have trusted implicitly, police force, legal system, government even. So what Duthat's getting at in this book is that we've got this kind of cultural exhaustion happening. And, uh, you know, I think it's coming at us from social media. It's the news cycle. It's this endless. It's not one thing. It's another. So what's this all got to do with us in Catholic education? I just want to make two quick points. Here's the first one. Look back at the early centuries of Christianity. Very much the Roman Empire was in exactly the same position of cultural and economic exhaustion. It had become the most influential, powerful force in human history, but it ran out of energy. It ran out of puff. It ran out of self-belief. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in our culture at the moment too. And you see in the early centuries that Christianity re-energizes culture. You know, look at the Sistine Chapel. Look at the, the Renaissance. Look at the great art and architecture you know, the, the incredible stuff that defines so much that's true, good and beautiful about Catholicism came because of a re-energization of culture. You look at a book like uh, Rod Dreher's uh, Benedict Option, of course, where he, he points to the collapse of the Roman Empire and then the rebirth through the monastic tradition with people like St. Benedict of Nursia. So... I think we're in a decadent place in the sense of cultural exhaustion and it matters because the first point is that Christianity has historically re-energized culture at key moments. Why? Why does it happen? Because Christians realize that this isn't home and they live in particular ways and they participate in the divine and they bring the kingdom of God to life in culture. Now, often that comes historically at the end of great suffering and often cultural collapse. And no one wants to get excited about that. And neither do I. But let's not forget that we are playing a part in this as Catholic educators. Our job is to play whatever role we are called to in the re-energization of culture. And as I have said on stages all over this planet, you cannot give what you do not possess. So we can only give 
the creativity and insight and imagination that comes to us through the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit. We can only be energized for the long journey ahead if we have the person of Christ indwelling. So it's not about a theory or a system or a program. It's about the incarnation. It's about the incarnation coming to reality in your life, in your classroom. So I just want to encourage you. I think we're in a really pretty much historically predictable moment. And it's probably going to get worse, possibly significantly worse. But we don't need to circle the wagons. We don't need to go live in caves. We don't need to complain and whinge and take to Twitter. We just need to become saints and to love and to cooperate with the graces of the Holy Spirit that's given to each one of us. And if you're listening to this at the 12 minute 43 mark, give or take, because I've got to put the music tracks in, then you're listening to this because God's placed you in the role of Catholic teacher. He's made you a Catholic educator. And as this culture experiences exhaustion and fatigue, he wants to re-energize you so you can play whatever part you are called to to re-energize culture. So don't try to do this on your own, friends. This will just burn you out and wipe you out and you can't fix the whole thing. But you can allow Christ to transform you. All right, that's all I want to say. I know there's a lot in that, but uh, I could talk forever on that topic. But let's finish there. Let's trust God and the Holy Spirit to sift out the chaff of what I've said and leave you with anything that's useful. So please go check out the website, onecatholicteacher.com. I want you to go to the resources page. I want you to take the free trial of the Going Deeper resource. Go check it out. Free Catholic Teacher Formation trial resource, Going Deeper on the resources page. My books are there. Everything's there. Uh, I'm taking bookings again as travel, at least here in Australia at the moment, begins to open up. Now listen, please make sure you've subscribed. Please have subscribed to this podcast for me. Uh, Share this with some friends. That's what I can say. God bless you. Thanks for everything you're doing every single day as a Catholic teacher. My name's Jonathan Doyle. This has been the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast, and I'm going to have another message for you tomorrow.